This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to recap OTAs and go through all the latest news involving the New York Jets with the man that I like to call Father Flannel for a variety of reasons, but mostly because he wears flannel a lot. It's comfortable for him. Mr. Daryl Slater, the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media. What's going on, Daryl? I'm not even Catholic, but I do like the line. Uh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. That was funny on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so yeah, another OTA practice in the book. So productive Wednesday in, in uh, Florham Park for team and uh, for those of us who cover them. And Daryl, as a writer, I'm sure you can appreciate the alliteration of the nickname. Oh, of course. It was very well done. <laughs> Every once in a while I get one right. I'm like a blind squirrel around an acorn or a broken clock being right twice a day. But hopefully the Jets have a better track record than that in 2019. We're starting to get a look at what this team is going to be like in the 2019 season as OTAs got going last week. Had another one for the media to observe. And it sounds like some good stuff happened on the field. We'll get to that first and then we'll get to what the players and the coaches had to say both before and after practice. The star here seems to be Sam Darnold, though. So tell me about what Sam did and what else you saw on the field at OTAs. Yeah, another crisp day for him. So this is the Jets' fifth OTA practice. And then it was their eighth uh, practice of the spring overall. Um, so they're halfway home with practices in the spring. They got 16 total. This is the second of the five OTAs we've been able to see and the third of the eight overall practices. So, um, you know, from what we've been able to see so far, really, if you're talking about OTAs, really only two practices. Sam Donald has looked really good in those two practices. I mean, obviously there's a possibility that he could be terrible in the other ones, but it, it seems like he's progressing well. And um, he had a really nice 40-yard deep ball pass uh to Quincy and Nunma today down the sideline, just perfect pass, dropped it right in. Uh, really seems to ha- have a nice touch um, in terms of that and a rapport with Chris Herndon that's developing and uh, a touchdown pass to Herndon. A short one today was right after that that deep ball to uh, Quincy and Nunma. In terms of so you know Donald looked good and uh, in terms of other stuff that stood out, um, Le'Veon Bell wasn't there, of course. Tremaine Johnson again wasn't there. C.J. Mosley was a new absent player uh, in terms of guys we've been known known who were absent uh but and not a big deal it's you know voluntary practice and all that in terms of the injuries uh just run them down real quick brent qualley and Derek jones didn't practice not really sure what's going on there um looks like jones might have a leg thing but marcus may they're working him back uh from shoulder surgery kind of slowly um uh they want to be cautious with him adam gates said because these guys are in pads right now so if he fell or something like that, there's really no upper body protection for him. And that's kind of the, the, these aren't contact practices, but it's almost like it would be better for him if he did have pads on, but he was doing seven on seven stuff in a red, no contact Jersey, but nothing in the team periods. And then Quinn Williams was limited to with a calf injury from last week. It doesn't seem serious. No team periods for him either. They're not rushing him back. And he's done, he's doing the other stuff. The individuals just like Marcus may, um, and Brandon shell is coming off the knee surgery and he's looking great. And, uh, everything Adam Gase said, uh, he's really encouraged by how Shell's doing. He's taking every rep with the starters. So in terms of what the Jets did uh, with these guys out, of course, Steve McClendon stepped in for Quinn and Williams. Uh, the other safety with Jamal Adams was around Tez Miles. And then with the corner situation with no Tremaine Johnson, uh, what the Jets did was they put Brian Poole and Daryl Roberts uh, outside and Perry Nickerson, who's the backup in the slot. They started, they quote-unquote started him, put him with the first team in the, in the slot. 
the guy playing linebacker with no uh, uh, Mosley there was actually Anthony Wint, which was interesting. So that'll be something to watch, you know, and to look at who might be the backup inside linebackers. Of course, Neville Hewitt's in the mix there, too. And then, as usual, Ty Montgomery getting the first-team running back reps with Le'Veon Bell absence. So, I mean, we mentioned Darnold had a good day. Um, Chris Herndon had a nice reaching back catch on a ball that was behind him. Uh, Quincy then on that deep ball on that 40-yard, really awesome pass from Darnold. Uh, really did a nice job of hanging on to the ball. And Eli McGuire, one-handed touchdown catch. So that, those are some of the good things. Uh, Montgomery... On the, on the other side of things, Montgomery, he did uh, lose a fumble, and then Jamison Crowder had a drop, but, like, not a ton of negative stuff. Um, so that's sort of the real quick rundown of everything. There's nothing earth-shattering that happened. You know, it's an OTA practice, but if you're wondering what happened, that's basically what happened. Energy seemed to be up a little bit, though, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, the people, I feel like this like whole thing about tempo and energy and Greg Williams energy and Adam Gase's tempo. Can you have energy on offense and tempo on defense or can tempo only be on offense? I'm, I'm not sure if I figured that out yet, but like we've heard tempo and energy and chemistry and culture and all these great buzzwords thrown around this spring. I mean, like look, the bottom line is either the coach, either the players are good enough and the coaches drop good enough schemes or they don't either the coaches are competent or they're not. I mean, we, I would love to go back to like last spring with Jeremy Bates and read of these stories and hear questions about tempo and energy. It really doesn't matter. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. Show up when it matters in terms of winning games. I think fans are overhearing about how energetic practice was. Like, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, guys, yeah, it's good that guys don't look hungover out there, of course, you know, like, obviously. But, so you would like for the guys to have a lot of energy, and you'd like for the coaches to put put the players through the paces and all that, you know, with energy and tempo and all that. And I mean, it's important uh, to a degree, but, you know, I just think that it, it tends to get overblown because we tend to like uh, put, way too, put way too much importance and value on these OTAs practices just because there's nothing else to write about. But like, it's okay to say that this practice only matters to a limited extent um, and that energy in this practice matters to a very limited extent. That's fine. You don't have to, you don't have to like extrapolate this into something bigger and more meaningful for what it means for the season uh, because it really doesn't mean anything. The bottom line is either the players are good enough and the coaches are competent enough or they're not. Um, so, but yes, there was, there was plenty of tempo and plenty of energy for what it's worth. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com.
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I feel like tempo and energy are right up there with coaches that yell in the category of things that sports writers seem to love to write about for some reason when it comes to practices. Yeah, I mean, I don't like that. <laughs> I think they're tr- those things are trivial and trite. I mean, Greg Williams is, yells a lot in practice, but I'm sure he would even tell you that his most valuable asset as a coach is not that he yells a lot in practice. It's that he's really good at putting guys in the right position and drawing up schemes and and max, matching wits with the, the with an offensive mind on the other side of the ball. Like that's what makes him good. Not that he not that he yells a lot in practice, and he does. He doesn't. You know, he's not cursing, but he's vocal. Um, but he's a football coach. That's his job. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's as abnormal as people um, make it seem. I've, you know, I've watched a lot of football practices, and like, you know, a lot of these coaches, you know, not all of them are as vocal as Greg Williams are, but many of them are. So I, I just don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like, I think it's one thing that he does that, in terms of being vocal, that uh, and Adam Gates is really not vocal at all. Um, does that mean he's a bad coach? Not necessarily, um, but uh, but yeah. So Greg Williams is vocal, and it certainly makes practice fun to watch. But to draw any major conclusions from that in regard to how the teams are going to perform in games would be would be would be silly. Some might say that the yelling is one of Greg Williams' strengths, but there are others that would say he has even bigger strengths, including Leonard Williams, who is one of the players that talked to the media after practice. I know that the players talked to the media after practice. Adam Gase talked to the media before practice. What were some of the highlights of what you heard from these guys? Yeah, so not a lot from Adam Gase this time around uh, compared to how eventful last week was. Um at that you know fiery press conference or a lot of fireworks or however you want to put it, with he was was peppered with questions about Michael Cagnan, but um, he was asked about Adam Gase. Was one thing that was kind of interesting was he was asked if he would have Peyton Manning out to kind of work with uh, Sam Darnold, and you know he said you know who knows we'll see because obviously Eli is in the area and maybe Peyton would be around and maybe they could have him out and um, work with Sam Darnold for a day or something like that talk to Sam Darnold. I think it would be a neat opportunity for Sam Darnold for sure. I mean, obviously he's going to get most of his instruction from, from Gase, but, um, you know, can't hurt to talk to Peyton Manning. And in terms of what the players said, um, one of the more interesting, a couple of more interesting things that were said was Henry Anderson actually had a lot of interesting comments about, um, this, this defense and how Greg Williams runs. And this is way more interesting and applicable than the fact that Greg Williams has energy. I think is the schematic differences uh, between what he's doing and what Todd Bowles is doing. And, and Henry Anderson said this is much more of an attacking front defense as opposed to Todd Bowles had these guys doing a little bit more of reading after the snap. So, you know, when the ball is snapped, kind of reading the offensive lineman in terms of determining what they're going to do based on how the linemen come out of their stance. Whereas Greg Williams has these guys being very aggressive and very uh, assertive in terms of penetrating and getting up the field initially, and it's more of an attacking defense. So there's multiple ways to skin a cat, of course, with getting pressure, and uh, I think, you know, the Henry Anderson, at least, obviously he had a really good sack year last year under under 
Todd Bowles in that style of defense, but he, he feels like this could uh, result in the Jets getting more sacks this year uh, with this attacking uh, defense that Greg Williams is, is is using in terms of what he's having these guys in the defensive front too. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Henry Anderson had a good year last year, but as everybody knows, the Jets as a team were terrible in terms of getting sacks. So, um, and they and that was really the third straight year they were they were poor in that regard. So, you know, maybe this is the way to, to solve it um, because they certainly need more than just Henry Anderson getting home on sacks. Um, and I think he's he's optimistic that that'll be the case. Henry Anderson is. So that was one thing that I thought was interesting. And then another thing was Steve McClendon was actually talking a little bit about Le'Veon Bell and his absence at OTAs. And McClendon and Bell played together for three seasons in um, Pittsburgh. And so they're pretty close and they keep in, you know, they've kept in touch, obviously. And McClendon mentioned that he had, you know, been talking to Bell and said like, hey, you know, be really good if you were here at these, uh, these OTAs, just paraphrasing. And one of the reasons is, uh, you know, he, he McClendon thinks it would be really valuable for Bell to be here and getting to know Sam Donald and Donald getting to know Bell's style and all that stuff. But, you know, he met, McClendon did mention that he understands why Bell isn't here, but obviously he made a point to note that um, there, there's certainly things that Bell could gain from, from being in Forum Park for OTAs. But uh, Steve McClendon did say, like, multiple times he, you know, he supports whatever Le'Veon Bell's decision is to not show up. And then also that he feels like, you know, Bell won't have any problem showing up and perfectly uh, – perfectly acceptable or well beyond that of course really good shape uh physically for when training camp starts so uh there was some interesting stuff we'll have some on henry anderson for the morning uh as you and i are talking here on wednesday night um and then something on what steve mcclendon said as well because i thought those were those were the two most interesting things i thought coming out of the player interviews today Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Daryl, since we brought up Peyton Manning, we should mention that he was cornered by the media at a golf event where he was hanging out with Tiger Woods playing and asked about the possibility that he could become the next general manager. And he said what I think most of us expected, which is that the Jets never actually reached out to him, right? Yeah, so he was at the Memorial in Ohio, the Jack Nicholas event, um, one of the bigger non-major events on the PGA Tour. And so he was playing in the, in the Pro-Am with, um, with Tiger Woods. And afterwards, he was asked uh, about, I th- and I think uh, Mark Cannizzaro from the Post was the one who, who spoke to him about this. Um, you know, did the Jets reach out? And he basically said, he said no. And um, he was asked uh, uh, more, you know, about the GM job in particular. And, he, you know, he said, you know, I'm not sure I'm even qualified or something along those lines. But, yeah. So yeah, he kind of laughed it off, and and he said what's which is the obvious. He he isn't qualified. He's right. He's not. He's a smart guy. He's no. He's not qualified to be the GM of the Jets right now. So, and he and he kind of deflected when asked if um, you know he'd ever be interested in doing that down the road in terms of running a team as a GM or GM slash owner or something like that. So that was the what what came out of that. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> I mean if he's with the Jets this summer, it'll be popping up one day or something like that to talk to Sam Darnold, maybe impart some wisdom 
Daryl, the general manager search is in full swing. We have five names on the list right now. Tell me a little bit about where the Jets stand with this, if there are interviews scheduled and when, if there are going to be more names added to this, what the timetable might be. What do you have on everything? So the Jets have put, you know, five interview requests are out there right now. And um, it looks like Scott Fitter from the Seahawks will be, and I'm not going to go over all these guys' titles. They're executives, as we all know, <laughs> under the GM level in these organizations. So Scott Fitter from the Seahawks is going to be in on uh, Thursday or Friday. He'll be the first interview. So he obviously has accepted uh, the uh, interview request. So Fitter is the number co-number two in Seattle with Trent Kirshner. And the Jets, interestingly enough, did not uh, request an interview with Trent Kirshner this time. They did talk to him last time around in 2015 when they hired Mike McCagnan. Um, and Champ Kelly from, from the Bears, who, he's below the number two level there, um, but considered uh, you know, a legit candidate, as all these guys are. Um, it sounds like he's going to be meeting with the Jets early next week. Uh, so he obviously has accepted the interview request offer as well. So uh, the Joe Douglas interview, that's one. Uh, uh, he's the number two to Howie Ro- Roseman, obviously in Philly. Um, that's going to happen either this weekend, it sounds like, or um, sometime next week. So that sort of sounds like up in the air for when that's going to happen. But Joe Douglas will be talking to the Jets as well. He's the favorite. Um, he has a relationship with Adam Gase, as, as does Champ Kelly in terms of the previous working relationship. Uh, Champ Kelly would satisfy the Rooney rule. Uh, I mean, I always feel stupid for saying that because it almost makes it seem like the guy is not qualified. The guy, he is a qualified candidate, but it's worth noting that he would satisfy the Rooney role. Um, so those three guys are pretty much scheduled, slotted in, in terms of the next few days over the weekend um, and then or into early next week for those interviews. But um, they have to at least interview some person to satisfy the Rooney role. Um, and that looks like the first person that would be, would be Champ Kelly early next week. The other couple guys, uh, the other two guys, I mentioned those three. So George Payton, the Vikings number two guy to Rick Spielman, I, I just don't see it happening. I mean, he turned down the Jets in 2013, 2015. He wouldn't even interview with them. I don't see it happening this time around. If he does, like, I don't, why would he, why would he leave for this situation? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, and then, uh, Terry Fontenot down in New Orleans, who's the director of pro scouting down there, uh, He's another guy who would who would satisfy the Rooney Rule as a minority candidate. But again, like Champ Kelly, a very legitimate candidate in his own right in terms of his resume. So um, it's not clear. Then the Terry Fontenot stuff just pops up today, um, and it's not clear um, when he'll. I'm pre- I'm sure he'll accept the interview request, but uh, it's not clear when the Jets will, will sit down with him. So they do have five candidates. Uh, looks like you know three three. I think four will wind up accepting the interview request. I don't see Peyton for, for accepting it. Uh, George Peyton, not Peyton Manning, <laughs> uh, whose name is looks like George Patton, but it's Peyton, is how it's pronounced. And um, and we'll see on Terry Fontenot. But they have the three sounds like lined up here: Fitterer first, and then maybe Douglas second, and then Champ Kelly early next week. Or um, it's not clear yet if Douglas will get in this weekend or if that'll be next week. So I think, you know, you could begin to see this thing kind of crystallize maybe a week from now and next Wednesday, uh, next Tuesday through Thursday in that time frame. Um, and then maybe maybe the Jets have a new GM by the end of next week. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Got to figure that whoever the new general manager is, he's going to immediately realize that this team is razor thin at the cornerback position, which is something you wrote about in your position stock report up at NJ.com, Daryl. Do you think that there's any way that there's going to be something that gets done with Morris Claiborne anytime soon? Because we've been hearing whispers, hearing whispers. He's an obvious fit because he knows the system. He knows the team. He's a familiar face. You know that he can play the position. I would assume that he would come relatively cheaply because he's still available this late into the process, but still doesn't seem like there's a lot of movement there. Anything happening? Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything in that regard. I mean, we, we don't know how serious that injury is that he's rehabbing. Um, that was something Mike McCagden mentioned, I think, during the draft. Um, but yeah, they're thin at corner, definitely. And, and, and you know, it depends on what Greg Williams thinks of Morris Claiborne. I mean, he knows... Morris Claiborne does, you know, the previous system in terms of what Todd Bowles did. But, but what about this Greg Williams defense? Is there, does Greg Williams think that Morris Claiborne can play just as well in this defense as he did last year? Because he was pretty good last year. But, 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 but how does that translate to, to this system, to this defense? So, um, and then, you know, what's Claiborne's comfort level? I'm sure he feels like he can play in, in, in the system. Um, but what does Greg Williams think? And then what does Adam Gase think? And that's what really matters right now, at least until the new GM comes in. So, if you look at this depth chart, yeah, it's thin. Um, you know, I, I actually, I don't even think I mentioned in that uh, in that position stock report uh, that they could possibly bring Claiborne back. I mentioned that they let him walk, but, uh, you know, we have addressed that before. But, yeah, we did a rundown of all the positions and what, what sort of situation the new GM is looking at with each and every one of these positions in terms of whether the position is in good shape or whatever, but, we, you know. Uh, obviously the cornerback position is in a little bit of a dicey condition. I mean, your starters are Tremaine Johnson, Daryl Roberts, and Brian Poole, and really Johnson's the only proven starter-level corner there of those three, and he, he was terrible last year. Um, so, maybe, you know, we'll see. Is Greg Williams really comfortable with this group? He's going to get a chance. He's getting a chance now to take a look at him in spring practices. So, um, you know, maybe between now and training camp, if he doesn't like what he sees, maybe he says, look, you know, go out and get, get Morris Claiborne, bring him back, and I think he could maybe be an upgrade from Daryl Roberts. But, you know, I, I've talked about guys who had a good practice today, and I actually neglected to mention Daryl Roberts. He had two pass breakups today. So he was, you know, again, doesn't mean he's going to be like a pro bowler, but he had a good practice today. So uh, I think the guy has, he's flashed, and he shows some versatility, certainly playing safety last year, and he's got potential. Um, can he put it all together and be an every down starter? We're not going to know that till the season, but uh, it's worth noting in the course of our conversation here about cornerbacks that he actually did look pretty good uh, today. Roberts did. So uh, yeah, that's the situation there at corner. It's, it remains a little bit or maybe a lot bit of a question mark. This is the overtime podcast network. One of the big questions heading into 2019 is who will be the more successful Daryl around MetLife Stadium, Daryl Slater or Daryl Roberts? <laughs> I know who's going to be making more money. So. <laughs> Obviously you. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. NJ.com has to shell out the big bucks for you and Stipulkowski. I don't know how much exactly, but I would assume it's going to be slightly less than whatever Anthony Davis is going to get now that he's going to be coming back to the NFL. And I want to ask you about that, Daryl, because we know that the Jets have a weakness at corner, but we also know that the Jets have a weakness on the offensive line. Anthony Davis, who was the 11th overall pick in the 2010 draft, Played pretty well for the 49ers, but then had some concussions, sat out a year, then only played one game in 2016, then he retired again, and now at age 29, wants to come back. He's a Piscataway native, went to Rutgers. He's a guy that maybe could help the Jets because, remember, you're looking at a situation at tackle where they're pretty thin. They just drafted a Doga, but Shell, as we mentioned before, is coming off a major injury. Beecham had that ACL tear a couple of years ago. They could certainly use the help. You think there's any chance they dip their toe into the Anthony Davis pool? I don't know. I don't. I don't see it. I mean, this guy is, you know, he's going to be well. He's going to be thirty in what October. He has not played. I, man, honestly, I hadn't even looked at his information. I saw in passing that he had uh, that he was coming back. I had forgotten about him. Uh, I mean, he played in, you mentioned that he played in one game in 2016, didn't play in 15, hasn't played at all since 16, hasn't started a game since 14 when he started seven games, started 10, 11, 12, and 13. He started every game those four years. But uh, it's been a long time since this guy has played at any legitimate level on the NFL, really 2014. Um, it's a long time, a long layoff for a guy who's going to be 30 in October. And, um, you know, I think... All things being equal, maybe you go with a, you know, you opt for a younger backup. Um, uh, but, you know, he's not going to get a lot of money coming back. Uh, and maybe a team takes a flyer on him. If the Jets can get him for cheap as a backup, bring him into camp, see what he's got. Um, maybe it would be a low-risk move. But uh, but I think the idea that he could come back at this point and, and be a starter, is, it would be a remarkable story, but I just it just seems unlikely. Even if he's not a starter, though, like I said, a little bit of depth wouldn't kill them. They could certainly yeah. use it. Yeah, but I guess I just more so meant like a guy who, if you, you know, I mean, the guy, you know, you're not going to play a guy in the offensive line unless this guy gets hurt or you, he's, you know, if he's starting or, or a replacement. So, yeah, I think it's certainly something they should look into. Um, you know, and it's an interesting little weird situation the Jets are in now with Gase being the GM and then. Uh, them in the holding pattern before they bring in this new GM. So he's made some moves, but really nothing. He hasn't done anything major or unexpected. Um, Gase hasn't. And you talk about cutting Jordan Leggett, not, not a big deal. Uh, trading Darren Lee, that was expected. So, and then a bunch of other lower profile moves. So, um, this would be an interesting one. I, I guess it would, in some ways, it would qualify as a lower profile move. In some way, just because he's a bigger name, it would be, it would be, you know, a notable move. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really. I haven't really. I don't know enough about Anthony Davis or where he's at and is how good he is right now. Um, I, I literally have no idea. I have not thought about the guy in a long time. Let alone, I don't even know what kind of shape he's in. So that's something the Jets would have to figure. out. I think you know, might as well look into it, right? Can't hurt at this point. Certainly, like I said, they could use an extra body on the offensive line. They could always use extra bodies on the defensive line, although they have no shortage of them having picked two guys in the mid to late rounds the previous year. And then, of course, this year, they ended up drafting Quinn Williams at number three overall, who is another guy I wanted to ask you about because he was sitting out of practice. But another thing that I was curious about, in addition to his injury, is what's going on with the contract because he hasn't signed it yet. 
As far as I know, these contracts are slotted for the most part. So what's the holdup here? You expect this to get done sometime soon? Yeah, I mean, remember Sam Darnold's situation last year. It was That was over, what, offset language or something. Um, they're all slotted money, and they're all going to get done, and he's going to wind up getting a fully guaranteed contract there. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Um, he, he, it's not like he's sitting out because he doesn't have a contract. He has a little bit of a calf injury. Um, unsigned rookies, you know, they sign a, uh, sure there's like a waiver or whatever it is where they come out and practice and they're covered if something happens to them, even though they're unsigned. So there's no liability there for them to come out and practice. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's anything major. Just, you know, Sam Darnold drafted in the same spot last year in the contract thing. Uh, I, I don't imagine this will be the same type of thing, but you never know. Uh, that contract deal, remember, it seems like so many moons ago now, uh, went what to through what three days of training camp or whatever it was that we were all wringing our hands over and wound up being <laughs> meaningless um but uh but i don't i don't see that happening but so at some point bef- between now and training camp at the very latest he'll probably sign you think he's holding out for some extra ihop gift cards <laughs> you know what i think if you know he would be better uh, served going to a, a local new jersey diner up here i think <laughs> right i mean i, I don't know I don't. I don't see many IHOPs around here. I, I used to live in the South, and there was a lot of IHOPs and Waffle Houses, which is way better than an IHOP. But I don't. Uh, you know, everywhere I drive in New Jersey, it's it's more of a local diner. I don't see money in the Denny's or the IHOPs. I guess I don't. I don't live around a lot of chain restaurants. But the nearest one here to me, where I live, right, nice little local diner. So uh, can't beat that. So he, I think he'd be better off expanding his his diner repertoire. It would maybe be the most rewarding part of his time with the Jets. Who knows? Nimbley and I were joking about this because we said he doesn't know any better because they don't have great diners outside of the New York, New Jersey area. Kind of like with pizza. If you remember Bryce Petty, when he first showed up, he was talking on Twitter about how awesome it was that he could order Domino's right to his phone. And he got dogpiled because people were saying, Bryce, what are you doing, buddy? You're in New York now. Can't be eating Domino's. We got all the good stuff here. So I think that, Daryl, you and Chris, having access to Quinn and Williams in the locker room, you're going to have to start really pushing the idea to him that he's got to expand his dietary horizons and try out our awesome diners here. Yeah, I think uh, I think that would be wise of him. But uh, yeah, I'm sure he's eaten barbecue that's a thousand times better than anything we have up here for the <laughs> most part too, though. So it's a good trade-off of him being from Alabama. That's, uh, you know, Dreamland barbecue and all that good stuff down there. I'm sure he's he's enjoyed plenty of that in his time. So he doesn't look like he's missed too many meals. <laughs> so not saying he's actually not really that heavy for a guy who plays his position, relatively speaking. But uh, big dude enjoys his food, and uh, you know, maybe yeah, maybe we'll steer him right. Give him, you know, tell him what Taylor Ham is, and uh, <laughs> or, or pork roll or whatever you call it. I'm sure that would blow his mind. So. <laughs> He's one of the best writers on the New York Jets beat and also a diner consigliere, Mr. Daryl Slater. Thanks so much for coming on, recapping OTAs and going through all the latest news with me. You got a lot of stuff up at NJ.com right now, as does Matt Stipulkowski. Why don't you tell me about what you have up now and what's going to be coming up over the next couple of days? Yep, we got all the latest with the GM stuff all caught up on there, including the Peyton Manning thing, what he said at the Memorial Golf Tournament today. Um, and, uh, yeah, t- tomorrow we'll have uh, 
more of the stuff I talked about with Henry Anderson and Steve McClendon, and then um, some observations, like two-pronged observation thing from the OTA practice today, one having to do with like non-quarterback stuff, all the stuff I ran down. And then Matt will have something up there on, on Donald's, uh, the Donald's situation in terms of how he looked at OTAs, all the stats and all that good stuff. So if you're into that, uh, you want to know how Sam Darnold is doing, and I would guess most Jets fans probably want to know how he's doing, uh, that'll all be up there tomorrow morning. And, you know, by the way, I guess you're going to post this in the morning, so we're talking Wednesday night. So maybe by the time you listen to it, it'll already be up on the site. Go ahead and read Matt and Daryl over at NJ.com. Follow them both on Twitter. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.